Hello and welcome to First Time Dads. I am Richard Innes. And I'm Steve Mile. Uh, today we are joined by Mark Williams, um, a dad from Bridgend in South Wales. South Wales, Mark? Yeah, Mark? South yeah. Wales, yeah. Uh, Mark's come all the way from South Wales to join us today, which is very kind of him. Um, Mark is a dad, like Steve and I. Um, your boy is 13 now? Okay, yeah, 40 next, yeah. Um, so it's slightly further down the line, but um, Mark's a very interesting, got a very interesting story to tell, which is why we've invited him on. Um, you suffered with postnatal depression, Mark. Yeah, I wasn't actually diagnosed with postnatal depression. Um, it actually took a crisis uh, several years later. But um, if I was screened and asked the mm. question about my mental health, yes, I would have been well, diagnosed. So set, set the scene. We're 2004. Yeah. You're having your first child with your wife? First one, yeah. Only one, um, yeah. And you go to hospital to have the baby. And then take us through what happened yeah, I was um, totally prepared, you know, fantastic livelihood, I love my wife. I know what happened was after 22 hours labour, I remember the doctors come rushing in and um, they said, Mr. Williams, your wife's got an emergency C-section. And their tone of voice and the way they explained it to me, it actually caused me to have my first and ever panic attack. I never had a panic attack ever before because I honestly thought my wife... And my baby was going to die, you know. So, so what were you feeling physically? At that yeah, point? but even now when I'm talking about a certain, you know, I can feel the anxiety because, as yeah. you know, what I know now, it's, it's, a, it's an anxiety disorder, PTSD, and either witnessing or experiencing a life-threatening event, you know. So, and when you see your wife going through all this stress and, and you know, it was, uh, yeah, it was horrific for me, you know, for me personally. And I've got to say that a lot of fathers I talk to are far worse experience. For me, it actually, I honestly thought my wife was going to die. But she didn't? No. She she came through, and you had a little boy, and then you, like we all do, go back to life yeah, at home, that's looking right. after yeah. your little boy, and your you, your wife. And for most of us, that's it. You know, fatherhood mm. is then you know sleep deprivation mm. and the usual things that go. What? How was it different for you? And it was pretty clear that my wife uh, went on to have severe postnatal depression. The health is picked up straight away. And I was totally uneducated about mental health. You know, I was, uh, how can, you know, I was thinking, how can she be depressed? What's, is it me? Is there anything I've done? Does she want this baby? All these thoughts are going from her mind. So you're looking for a reason. You're yeah, for yeah, what definitely. What specifically is, how could you be depressed? What are you depressed about? Yeah. Question, isn't how it? was it manifesting itself, your wife's depression? How could, you, how could you see it? What were the signs? What were the things that... Ooh, totally different person straight away to the point where we had a calling crisis team where she should have had a mother and baby unit and unfortunately with the services or the knowledge wasn't there then you know and um you know i had to give up work for six months what, you mean she was there was a fear about her relationship with your son it was a fear more she was didn't think she was going to be a good mother and whether it was from the traumatic birth or Loads of other reasons. It was a case that uh, she thought she would be better off, not you, if I'm honest. So, yeah. and, uh, so you were concerned about her safety? Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. It got, well, it got to the point where, like I said, the crisis team were coming, coming in involved. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, I was just totally scared. And my wife is quite open about it now. You know, she did try to take her life, like, you know. Wow. Uh, so, you know, she's very open about that. You know, whether it was that sort of cry for help or whatever she says, but it was just a total total fog then, you and, know. And you're, you know, a uh, sales manager. At the same, yeah. <laughs> in, in, in Bridgend, you know, fairly normal life, not, Absolutely. Pre- not prepared, not trained for any of this. And suddenly you're in the middle of this and, and it, 
how does it affect you? Yeah, well, I didn't initially get that overwhelming feeling of love for my son initially, you know, whether I was just relieved they were both alive. The bond that we The hear. bond, yeah, the bond. I think that grew because I had to be home for six months. And when my wife was really ill in bed, I really bonded with my son. You know, it was the only thing was there because I couldn't tell my friends I was, I was feeling about mental health because I didn't understand it myself. You know, mm. I didn't know anyone who actually talked about mental health in 2004. Coming from the mining communities, it was a case of let's go down and pound this top of football. You know, it was yeah, nothing, yeah. N- nobody told, talked about it. So I was worried about social service being involved, loads of factors, but my own mental health because I was starting to feel depressed myself and, and I was actually getting the suicidal thoughts around about the three to four month mark you know and so you were uh, aware i know you were saying you weren't talking about these things but you were aware there was an issue there you you knew there was something not right. right i've always had some sort of low mood like a lot of people mm-hmm. but it, this was the case where i was having really su- suicidal thoughts myself you know because i th- i was starting to think you know am i good enough to be a dad myself you know are they better off without me am i am i actually looking at my wife as well you know i was all these different feelings i was going through and i was using drink to cope with those feelings as well you know that's what, that's what always be my coping skill to actually use drink as well so you know it came to the point where my mother-in-law had to come to live with us um which i'm still getting counsel for now if i'm honest you know? <laughs> <laughs> but i was i was lucky um i was lucky that uh, i had the family support in place because as you know a lot of these families haven't got that family support in place like so you know so you know it got to the point where everyone has evolved but we didn't tell anyone outside the family because of the stigma mm. you know and there's there still is a stigma absolutely yeah definitely there still definitely. is a stigma yeah. about talking about your mental health yeah in a way that if you can't see what's wrong like a broken arm or a broken leg people still don't quite understand that the mind is like a limb yeah that it can break it, it can break mm. or it can be damaged or it doesn't work properly yeah you know we i'm sure people come across in in their everyday lives people at work who maybe are off with you know stress mm. and there's always kind of a raised eyebrow what have they got to be stressed about yeah you know yeah. it's it, it it still is and as much uh, uh, you know stigma is still attached to it but that particularly dads it's it's new i hadn't i mean it's not new but it's it's still in its infancy the understanding of mm. it i mean i had heard of postnatal depression before i became a dad but i hadn't heard about it in dads yes yeah. when, I, when we were That's introducing right. you mark I, I was just thinking there you were describing your wife's postnatal depression <laughs> and i think most people that would be listening to you talk would think Oh, you know, poor, you know, the poor woman, that's a terrible thing to go through. Yeah, of course. Because people will be aware, at, perhaps at least of the concept, that there are women who suffer with this after birth. Yeah. And then the idea that when I said, even when I said to you, even when we were introducing you and I said, a dad who suffered with postnatal depression, there was even a little bit in me that went, hmm, a dad with postnatal depression. Because, you yeah. know, even we, we've spoken before before this and, you know, I'm, I'm well aware of the, you know, the, the, the struggles you went through. But there will be so many people that will just not understand the idea that a dad can have postnatal depression. I think the most simplest way to explain it, if there was no baby or pregnancy, I wouldn't have those suicidal thoughts or be depressed in the postnatal period in the first 12 months. Mm. Because this myth about hormones, there is hormone change with fathers. Yeah. Um, but the biggest thing is lifetime change, uh, lifestyle changes, yep. financial reasons. Even looking after a wife with severe postnatal depression, up to fifty percent of dads will actually get diagno- you know diagnosed with depression. Should if it was screened. So there's loads of factors why men and women get postnatal depression, mm-hmm. and it's not one woman or man would say that's the reason why I had postnatal depression because a lot of mothers and fathers got a history of depression, anxieties, 
and traumas in previous before they mm. become parents. Mm. It's interesting. I, you know, you, you, what you said earlier sort of resonated with me about you'd go to the pub yeah. for a chat. And guys do go to the pub for a chat and we stand around, we talk about all sorts of things. And of course it changes when you become a dad because you do talk about your home life a bit and, and kids. I found, I've got two kids, my daughter's sort of four months old. I've not been to the pub for a chat one of my mates mm. for four months probably because we've got two kids to look after yeah yeah and it's stressful at home and there isn't it's not an easy conversation to have at home with your wife when you're in the throes of double childcare. and i think to my sometimes I think to myself i probably just need to go i need to go and have a point just to kind of relax yeah. a little bit because yeah. you come to work and it's not relaxing experience coming to work it's, 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 I think it's missed probably that guys do need an outlet yeah. to talk about stuff I mean Rich and I are fortunate that we've got each other yeah, <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah. we yeah. sit here and we talk about <laughs> you man yeah, we, sit here, we sit here and we talk about it we probably air things and this yeah. is probably yeah no exactly it's a form of therapy isn't it yeah definitely you, Rich you talk about being cross and Angry. All the time, mm. all the time. I mean, I think, and what's what I'm sitting here thinking, and I'm sure we'll get into some more detail, Mark, about how things moved on for you. But that initial thing you were describing there of when you found yourself in that kind of, I, I suppose, a pit of, of yeah. sorts, you know, where you're starting to feel those terrible thoughts. The the feelings you were describing that that took you there are very familiar. Like I, you know, I was constantly, um, and you know, to an extent, still do. You know, question: Am I a good enough dad? Yeah. Question: Am absolutely. I doing enough for my wife? Question: All that, all those questions. So I suppose what's interesting to me is I think most dads probably ask those ask those sorts of questions. And what's interesting is what then triggers that spiral that leads you into sort of full-blown depression. Yeah. Because, I, you know, I, is, it, is it possible that you can have degrees of postnatal depression? You know, in the sense, yeah, I've probably had some, I guess what you would describe as mental health issues in considering myself as a father and getting used to fatherhood when you talk about anxiety and stress and you know th- th- nothing that's ever caused me any great issue but they've been there do you know yeah. what I mean so I think part of the problem is when men are having these conversations whether it be about fatherhood or anything else people expect there to be a line do you know what I mean in the sense that okay yes I do yes I do suffer with anxiety and yes I do suffer with stress and yes I personally I suffer with anger and rage and knowing how to deal with all those things but the question for me would always be, well, but there's never, I've never crossed that line, like, you know, yeah. where, where I have mental health issues in, in quotation marks. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, definitely, I, definitely. I think that's something that guys really struggle with is they want to know that where is that line? I think um, we've got to understand that postnatal depression can look different in fathers and as mothers. My personality totally changed during that time. You know, everyone knows you know, I'm a very happy-go-lucky, always smiling. But I was the most angriest person during that time. I remember, you know, hitting a sofa, you know, bust my hand. I was um, having fights with bouncers. Not the fact that I had a chance of beating them up or nothing. It was the fact that, you know, if somebody hit them, you would yeah. never form yourself harm. You know, you're trying to, you know, hit, you know, get hurt. So you're taking those feelings away, you know. So mm. I was, like I said, I was totally different. I like a lot of fathers I speak to, you know, they're drinking more, there's drug taking, avoidance in mm. work, you know, go, you know, putting themselves in work. Mm-hmm. Um, they get the intrusive thoughts like mothers that they're going to do something to the baby. Mental health, we all got it. It's either good or bad. But with dads, like you said, you know, they get these same thoughts like mothers do, you know. So, you know, it's, it's a massive area that needs to be more talked about. Like, did you, I totally agree. Did you, 
how did you get treatment or how was it flagged? Because mm. it sounds like in your household around that time, it was pretty full on. Yeah. Your wife wasn't well. You weren't well. Mother-in-law fortunately came. But how did it start to get... Yeah. Um, it actually took another... I think it was about five years later. And my grandfather... I lost my grandfather with dementia. I got a close family... A very close family, and my lo- I lost my grandfather. I was really close to with dementia. My mother was diagnosed with deep cancer actually within weeks of each other. I think that I was going to lose my mother. All these feelings were starting to come back, thinking I was mm. going to lose my mother and other things. And eventually, in a pressure job I was in, I was starting to go downhill again. And, and basically, it's loads of types of breakdowns. Basically, I just couldn't go on anymore. The mm. suicide thoughts got the point where I was, they were getting worse and worse and worse. Because I struggled, really, for about five years, believe it or not, because I was that's trying to man up. I, that's what I was going to ask, is because, yeah. obviously, it, understandably, that, that level of stress you, yeah. you you were going through at that point with all these huge issues to deal with have clearly triggered triggered you again in the sense of, you know, the, the emotional issues. But for that five-year period, oh, did yeah. you come out... Because so, you were talking to us about, you know, when your son was a few months old, and that was when these suicidal thoughts yeah. started to appear... Were you at that kind of level of depression for five years, and did you just no, suffer no. it? No, I think it, um, well, it took eighteen months really for my wife to be well, really well. Back, you know, so after she was getting, you know, obviously she had a, you know with a lot of help, and uh, that's when I, f- I tend to dip a lot because I mm. all up, you know, pressure big, I built up, yeah, away. It was taken away. But I just like I just move my mood changes. I was changing jobs constantly. Uh, there was loads of factors. I wasn't constantly depressed at that time, but it wasn't until 2011, really, when because I hadn't dealt with everything else before, even even childhood, you know, from uh, my low self-esteem in school, you know, and uh, it was like everything came to head in 2011, and um, I was actually basically in a car one day thinking that everyone would be better off without me, and you know, to the point where I think if it wasn't my son. I think if I'm honest, so I, I could have done, I could have, yeah, I could have easier done it, you know, took my life, like, you know. And um, as we know, the biggest killer in men under 45 or 50 now is suicide, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it got the point where I was really fighting it, fighting it every day. And my physical symptoms, you know, obviously would work. I was on pain, pain, everything. And eventually I, I had a breakdown in the car, really. And best thing I did was phone somebody because I was so scared myself, you know. Who did you phone? I found an organisation I work for now is Mental Health Matters Wales, and they obviously signpost me to the GP. I was put in community mental health services. What did you say to them when you called them? Uh, I Googled, luckily enough, I Googled it on my phone, because I didn't know anyone, you know, where to go, really. You were aware, you were aware enough that you had... A I was something, yeah, it was really... I was at a point where I was scared myself, couldn't get out of the car. I was really... Uh, and um, they said, you know, can you manage to get to the GP? So I did eventually get to the GP, and I was put on Satalapram and um, waiting list for counselling. Unfortunately, I didn't get that waiting list, but um, I um, actually went private, and it was the best thing I ever actually had was CBT and and t- well, not just CBT. I was a co- you know, the, but it was talking about the things. But it, it was until I met a guy in a gym in my recovery, and um, he went through the same experience as me. I was in a gym one day, and I was. Um, I said, this guy, he said, can I bother the weights? And he said, yeah, yeah, I've got to go to NHS Prams. And I said, what's NHS Prams? So I, he said, oh, it's a hospital. My wife's got postnatal depression. And I said, no way. 
I said, my wife had postnatal depression too. No way. <laughs> so all of a sudden, I talked to him more in five minutes than I told my best mates of 30 years. And I, I thought, oh my gosh, like you guys, I was, this is great. I've actually talked to somebody who understood. And I realized that Brian actually lost his business. He lost his house. He lost everything looking after his wife with severe postnatal depression. So had he... Did, did, does he believe that he had postnatal depression? Uh, well? He would. He'd never said. Him, well, he, he was actually depressed during that yeah. time. Yeah, because he was looking after it. But it, Brian had a history of issue, issues that he kept right. in the box. You know. Yeah. And um, it all come ahead. You know, it's a stress. You know, he just couldn't keep it in the back of his head anymore. And um, yeah, Brian's still in services now. Like you know, unfortunately, he's in his fifties. He had a mm. child later on. I went on to set up um, Fathers Reaching Out, which mm. was just a support group supporting dads with wives with postnatal depression mm-hmm. that's all it was but then I was finding they were suffering from depression and anxiety mm-hmm. and I was lucky to work uh, meet up with a doctor who wrote the book about perinatal mental health and and realized I <laughs> actually went through mm-hmm. it myself like you know so because a child is a stressful business yeah <laughs> that's for sure it <laughs> is full of joy and it's to my mind the best thing I've ever done but it does not come without its challenges, as regular listeners will know. <laughs> yeah. So it shouldn't be a surprise to us that while our bodies are struggling with the physical demands on it, and I mean sleep, that our minds yeah. should also be affected in some way by the same, the, the same traumas, the same process. But I suppose that yeah. goes back to my question before, Mike, in, in the sense that Every every dad, to, as Steve's just explained there, every dad is going to have a certain level of, and I, I almost hesitate to use the word mental health, but a certain level of issue in the, in the way their mind's working around that yeah. time because of the stress, because of the lack of sleep, because of the exhaustion, because of all the new lifestyle changes, all these things that you've got to deal with. And I, what I'm curious about, because as I said, everything you've described up to now, um, you know, aside from the point at which you'd reached that kind of, you know, a pit of despair, really, with suicidal mm. thoughts. Everything you've described in terms of what got you there sounds reasonably familiar, and I'm sure there'll be mm. loads of dads who say the same thing. So I'm, I'm curious about where, you know, that kind of distinction between the the stress that every new dad goes through just because they have a kid, and what what kind of defines postnatal depression in a man. Yeah, of course. I think um, the reason why I didn't get the help or didn't tell anyone. Whereas because I was worried I would never get a job to support my family as well. If I went mm. to the GP, it'd be on my records. I would just um, just ca- carried on during that mm. time, you know. Mm. And um, I didn't understand what depression looked like. Mm. I, it was 2004. I didn't, I thought, oh, you know, Mark, you know, get a grip. All these thoughts. Is that what you're saying to yourself? Yeah. Get a grip, man up, all that Man stuff. up, you know. Yeah. Because my father's a miner. I'm from a mining community. All my grandparents, or, you know, I, my uncle, you know, that, and... <laughs> it was never talked about, you know. Mm. I'm not saying they, they would they would say man up to me, but it's a, it was. A, I'm in a cult, you know a place where you've got to be a man, really. You know, mm. you've got to be a man. Mm. Is like you can't show weakness. You know, you can't show any weakness. Yeah, and that sounds familiar. But, but you also mentioned the coping mechanisms. Yeah. You know, coping mechanisms, uh, expression of violence. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and drinking heavily, mm. which I'm not cursed casting aspersions over the mining communities no, but no. those traditional working in environments i suspect there's a lot of hard drinking that goes on you know it, it i wonder if there's you know links between those those things the fact we don't mm. talk about it any anymore mm. i mean what rich said earlier i thought was it 
interesting in this sense it stresses that all dads go under now I kind of like we 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 often talk about ourselves as you know metropolitan dads we're engaged we do we're very we're modern in inverted commas dads, yeah, yeah. but mm. there are dads who sleep in the spare room every mm. night that don't get up and do midnight feeds that don't get involved with their children their baby their, their babies and pick some bits that they want to do when they can go off to work and work those long hours so perhaps don't necessarily aren't necessarily exposed in the same way to all mm. the stresses that we expose ourselves to and it sounds like you were exposing yourself to even more stress because you were helping your wife that yeah. was another another thing on on top mm. it sounds like the perfect storm almost that you're a hands-on dad you've got wife with you know no wonder there's an extra bit on top I, I, yeah it's interesting you say that because the first six months helped my bond with my son because i was i was literally mm. hands-on getting up in the middle of nights and my wife is amazing, mother still is. But it really got me engaged, you know. And yeah. you just mentioned fatherhood has totally changed mm. from 20 years ago. There's more stay-at-home dads. There's more single yeah. dads bringing up your children alone. Mm. And with social media, now the pressures are totally different now and, and than it was then. It's actually going to get worse, you know, if you don't mm. pick us up. So, yeah. you know, you're right what you're saying, yeah. It surprised me when I became a dad about how there are some negative Mm. feelings that company in fact Rich and I's first podcast the very first one we did bad rage dad guilt and all the other bad dad feelings that's the very that's first the one that's the very first podcast we did yeah and I think that's a, there's a, something in that yeah because we started a podcast and the very first subject was, that we chose yeah. to talk about was mental health yeah yeah because it, and that, I, I think I, not I, sleep yeah because not yeah. feeding yeah n- n- none of these things not which buggy to pick yeah Dad's mental health. And I think we didn't even plan that. If I remember rightly, Steve, we sat down and we, we just decided to start talking. Yeah. And the conversation, it wasn't, it wasn't a structured, you know, it, as, as anyone who listens to our podcast know, we don't plan these things. We just start talking and see what happens. And that was how that first conversation went. And, the, and I suddenly realized I had all these things to get off my chest, mm. which was talking about the guilt I felt as a dad, the guilt that I wasn't doing this, that I should be doing that. All the, you know, you should, you should, you should, all these things that kind of constantly in my mind and the guilt at being angry all the time because I would lose my rag with my baby and like how can you lose your rag with a baby that's ridiculous it's your own mm. son you know you shouldn't be and I'd, I'd be raising my voice at him and then getting my wife having a go at me for shouting at our kid and that, all the things that again I'm sure so many dads experience but it's interesting it, 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 I, I come back to that that thing of you know it feels like it wouldn't be a million miles. Well, I, I'm I'm fortunate in the sense that I've never had to suffer through what you could yeah. have to suffer through. And it's through, different like, levels of depression. Yeah, well. exactly. Yeah, all these other things. But it's not a million miles away. You know, when, yeah. when somebody says to me, dads with postnatal depression, I think of a, you know, presumably a quite niche, small group of guys who've had some really unfortunate things happen and are sort of predisposed perhaps to that type of feeling and that type of mood. And that maybe that's that's entirely separate to me. And from what you're explaining, what you're describing, it's making me realise that actually it's not a million miles away. It wouldn't have been a no. massive leap mm. for me to go to where you went to. I was fortunate because when I think about, you know, and I, I'm not trying to trivialise anything here, but when I think about when I go home and, you know, if, if my wife is perhaps had a bad day or 
um, is feeling a bit down in the dumps as, as people often can do. You know, normally she's very sunny disposition and very kind of you know happy happy with life. But there might be the odd day, and I, it does affect my mood. And I yeah. notice it, and I notice it because within the stress, it kind of it kind of can pull you down. Absolutely, and I've noticed it. And you know, I'm I'm fortunate. Well, I say fortunate. I decided to stop drinking before my wife was even pregnant. Because I used to drink too much, because I used drink as a coping mechanism, and so if you combine those things, where it, well, if I had still been drinking, and if Lindsay had, you know, God forbid, been pulled into sort of that that spiral of postnatal depression, then actually, would it have been, you know, I could be sat in your suit, I could have been in your shoes, because I would, I know what would have happened, I would have got angrier and angrier, and I'd have felt more overwhelmed, the more overwhelmed, and I drank more and more, and you know, it, it wouldn't have taken mm, a big leap for me to be sat where you were. I think it was so much going on in a short space of time because mm. I, I was expecting to be back in work in two weeks, yeah. you know, and uh, all of a sudden using credit cards, you know, seventy, you know, thousand pound of debt, you know, there's loads of things happening in short space. Because my wife, you know, um, all I cared about was her being well, you know. Mm. So, uh, like I mentioned, but it was um, what I will say about the pod. Uh, what I want to say in the podcast is I was getting these uh, nightmares, not so much flashbacks that. Waking up, think my my wife and baby had died as well, so right. it was a crossover where there was PTSD witnessing my wife going through the labour mm. and obviously post depression, witnessing what she did as well. You know what she uh, and for, you know um, and we've you know we've talked very openly now, and I want to talk very openly because my son is more likely to open up to me when he's older, when he's a mm. dad as well. So that's why it's important to talk about it today, but um. It was loads of reasons why, you know, was it because of the, my underlying reason, um, my sort of low self-esteem for school? But um, what I will say is when I was in community mental health services, even though I wasn't diagnosed with any of them, I was actually diagnosed with ADHD. So it was a disorder I've had all my life, you know, mm. so I still obviously got it. But um, so I've self-managed that all the way up to parenthood, you know, and then... Everything else in a short space of time happened. So there's loads of facts. So the, 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 what we're saying is that perhaps in your instance, the circumstances around your son's birth brought to the surface things that had always been there that hadn't necessarily been been treated. Absolutely. Um, but there'll be dads as well who haven't got that pre-existing mm. condition who find themselves, in fact, there might be dads listening now, who are, I think, I don't feel right. Yeah. You know, I, I don't feel happy. You know, I know that that's, I've, I've felt that on occasion, even with, you know, beautiful little boy and a beautiful little girl, you know, and my wife said to me, what's the matter? Yeah. Why aren't you happy? Why are you not happy? Mm-hmm. Why are you not yeah. happy? This yeah. is, this is, you've got a job, a house we've been on a holiday why why aren't you happy but there are things that that going that go on that you kind of i don't, I don't know yeah. why and i suspect what richie says is right there is a sliding scale of you know you haven't either got postnatal depression or not got it there's grades absolutely there's a, there's a grade of you know how how much but the more you talk about it it's got to be a good thing and this is what we're, we're, we would encourage people to do I think is, is that yeah definitely advice? definitely and like I said you know I've been lucky to speak to oh, hundreds of dads not just in the UK overseas because we've got to think of different cultures in fatherhood you know loads of different reasons and there's not one father who feels the same there's loads of reasons why they've been depressed or anxious and I 
I keep saying, you know, the quicker they do get the help, the quicker the recovery is, really. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is the thought of me going into a labour ward again, I am, me and my wife haven't got no more children. Even the smell or even talk about today causes anxiety. So my anxiety during the antenatal period for the second child, obviously, is going to be higher because mm. I'm going to think, oh, my gosh. You know what's coming. Is it going to happen again? Mm. Is there all these uncertainties? You know, am I going to lose, you know, be, be unwell myself? Mm. So, and like I said, a lot of dads have got anxiety in the workplace already, and then they've got to stay in this job now to provide for that family. Preston Richards. I'm sitting here silently stewing, which is kind of the whole point. I shouldn't be, of course. Um, Mark, I'm aware we're sort of coming towards towards the end of our time a little bit. That's um, really quick. That's gone. I know it goes. <laughs> it's gone really quick, doesn't it? But what what I'm curious about because. You mentioned, we mentioned very briefly that you were a sales manager, yeah. you know, w- working hard in, in quite a, I suppose, would you could call it a conventional job, I suppose, yeah. you know, a sales manager, you bringing home the bacon, paying them. Yeah, earning more money. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and out the back of this, you've now moved into a whole new field and a whole new career, haven't you? Yeah, I'm obviously a keynote speaker now and trainer. I set up International Father's Mental Health Day, so we've got doctors around the world now, and that's always on the Monday after Father's Day mm-hmm. as well. So we want to raise awareness, not just in the UK, but around the world, and we try and change policies as well. So there's no mention of the word fathers in NICE guidelines, that's CG192 NICE guidelines, and the World Health Organization doesn't even recommend screening dads about their mental so in, health. And so what you're saying there is that the, the, key, the key regulatory bodies don't recognize no. postnatal depression in men. Well, we know this. <clears throat> We, we got invited to talk. Indeed, uh, we did. Indeed, we did. Uh, actually, World yeah. College of Psychiatrists. I forgot we did that. Uh, London yeah. Perinatal Health Conference. Yes. And we were the we were the dads. We were the only dads. We weren't were we? the only dads. There they was were no only yeah. dads. We were the. They basically realised they needed some sort of paternal presence, and so they came <laughs> to us and said, "Actually, we've got all these experts talking about you know peri and postnatal depression in women." Actually, we probably should acknowledge that, that men may be part of this as well. Yeah, you know, exactly. So we went there and did it. And, 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 before I forget, it's, um, it has far better outcomes when both parents are supported yeah. for that development of the child as yeah, well. You know, yeah. so it's a no-brainer because sometimes there's only dad who's struggling impacts on the mother's mental health. You know, if if all, all parents are supported during this time, mm. it's got far better outcomes. Mm, it's got to be, hasn't um, it? You've written a book as well. Yeah. Daddy, oh, we should mention yeah. the book, should we? Daddy Blues. <laughs> Daddy Blues, yeah, with Trigger Press. Depression and Fatherhood. Uh, which is well worth a read because it, it, I suppose it's it's kind of based on your story, but you've obviously br- broadened it out into into you know, bit of knowledge in yeah. it. Like one in ten fathers at least suffer from postnatal depression. One in ten. One in ten, and the National Childbirth Trust says that thirty eight percent of dads are worried by their own mental health, and seventy three percent of dads are worried by their partner's mental mm-hmm. health. So, like you said, and we got to understand the biggest killer in men under forty five or fifty now is suicide. Mm. It's a serious matter. So, someone's listening to this now, Mark, and they're having some of the feelings that we've spoken about. What should they do? Yeah, get the help because a lot of men are not getting diagnosed quick enough. They can bring an email address or a website. If it, well, I would say go to Calm, go to GP, access community mental health services, and speak to your health visitor and midwife. That's the best thing. Or have a little Google of me, Mark Williams, Father's Mental Health. I will put okay. some links up on an article online uh, Absolutely. to go with this. Um, and if you if you feel like any of this resonates with you, or you want to find any find out any more, please do email us at, as ever at firsttimedads at reachplc.com. Um, and I'm sure you know we could. I'm sure Mark would be happy to be, be always in happy. touch with any guys that wanted to talk further. And if you've enjoyed this episode, 
please leave us a review on iTunes and uh, give us a rating and t- tell other dads about us. That's the whole point, guys. That's what it's all about. Yeah, let's, um, let's, let's help each other out. Well, Mark, thanks yeah. very much. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks for coming, Mark. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And um, we'll catch you next time. Cheers. <laughs>